0: Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to read the entire chapter. 29 verses. Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive you the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are under the works, are of the works of the law, are under the law, curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. <coughs> Excuse me, Brethren, I speak after a manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disenoweth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. This I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serve the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. So if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that, are, that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us under Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither is there... There is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Title of this message tonight The Liberty of the Spirit. The Liberty of the Spirit. In our modern and enlightened time, there are many that believe that the liberty in Christ delivers us from biblical standards. That because we have liberty, I mean, we can just live however we want. We're saved by grace, brother. Of course, you know, Titus 2 kind of contradicts that. But anyway, but liberty, what they don't understand is liberty is not a license for us to decide what is right conduct in our own eyes. Liberty doesn't give us a license to decide what is right conduct as a child of God. But liberty is the opportunity for us to walk, to live being set free from the penalty of sin by the sacrifice of Christ and being powered by the Holy Spirit to live according to His will in the flesh. It doesn't negate sanctification. Sanctification is yielding your body as a vessel pleasing to the Lord. That's what sanctification is. Uh, so so it doesn't give us a li- a license or to choose or decide what is right conduct in our own eyes. So as we think about this tonight, I'm gonna try and make sense of this. So consider the, the 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 Spirit of God, uh several things about it. First of all, we are we are born again by the Spirit of God. In verses two and three, uh, of course, this was the this was a problem with the Galatians. You know, they were going back into the Old Testament and circumcision began with circumcision. Of course, there were other sacrifices, which was a real problem with the Jewish believers. In fact, even Paul struggled with that. Remember, he went to Jerusalem, and Acts chapter twenty tells us, and and he was he he had shaved his head and he had made a vow, and and they had offerings prepared that they were going to offer, and that's when he was seized in the temple and arrested. Uh, but anyway. Be that as it may, but we're born again by the Spirit. Verses 2 and 3 says, This only would I learn of you. received you the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, and of course, if you if you read chapters 4 and 5, 3, 4, and 5, and we're going to be looking at all those chapters, some, some verses in all those tonight, but... But if you read verses 4 and 5, you're going to come to the conclusion when when Paul speaks of hearing uh, or made perfect by the flesh, what he's referring to here is are are you going to be made perfect in Christ by being circumcised and going back and offering sacrifices at the temple? Is your Christian faith going to be perfected that way? Can you be made perfect whole or complete by doing that or are you the question is or are you whole and complete in Christ without all that no he says he said you've begun in the spirit we are born again by the spirit of God Uh, it's the spirit that quickens us remember in John chapter 6 and verse 63 Jesus said it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing Nothing. And the word quickeneth there means make alive or cause to live. Titus chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us uh, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he has shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So it's not of anything that we do. it's, It's the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's by His mercy that He saved us, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, so we are born again, or we're given new life by the Spirit, without the works of the law, without circumcision. And what he's of course, the, the big question here is circumcision, you know, which which speaks of the Jewish law. He said, "We're we're, we're made we're made we're born again without that." So, so we we begun by the Spirit. And the second thing we notice here, he says, being led by the Spirit is a life of faith, not a life of the flesh. It's a life of faith. Verse 5. He therefore ministereth through the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you. Doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Again, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by Faith uh <clears throat> verse verse twenty four of chapter chapter three wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us under Christ that we might be justified by faith uh verse twenty five but after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster of course the law is a, is the pic- is pictured as a schoolmaster there so so we we're we're led By the Spirit of God, uh, being led by the Spirit of God is a life of faith. It's not a life of the works of the flesh. The word ministereth here in verse 5 means to supply, to to furnish. So so the Spirit of God is what supplies or furnishes uh, our life. And it's a life of faith, through faith. And this life of faith provides for us a couple of things. First of all, it provides for us a substitutionary sacrifice. Verse 13. Verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. for It is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. Uh, and then again, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Nothing is said there about... Oh, you put your faith in Christ and then your circumcised. No, you're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And, and Christ hath redeemed us. He's bought us from or he's set us free from the curse of the law. We're no longer under that. You see, we have a supplied substitutionary sacrifice in the person of Christ. So we have someone that paid our debt for us and delivered us from the curse of the law, uh, which is death. And and then we have also the presence of the Spirit. Verse 14 says, That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So so this life of faith provides us with with a sacrifice. It also provides us with the presence of the Spirit. And, and of course, the Spirit's presence does several things for us also. It, it, first of all, he, he is the assurance of our redemption. You know, He gives us, Romans 8 tells us, He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In other words, He testifies to us and we with Him. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of woman, made of the law, to redeem them that were under the law, we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth his His uh, spirit, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Uh, and, then, and then I mentioned Romans 8, but in Romans 8, verse 14, he says, if ye be led of the spirit, for as many as are led, and that word led there has the idea of, of uh, grab hold of. other words, the Spirit of God kind of grabs hold of, of us. Uh, he, 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 he controls us. Um, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are, notice, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of a bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we, we have this the, the spirit of God. We have the presence of the spirit of God. And he bears witness with us that we are or gives us assurance of our redemption. The word beareth witness means to testify jointly. You know He speaks to us. Through His Word, First John, chapter two and verse twenty says, "But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things." Then verse twenty-seven in that same chapter he says, "But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you." So he's talking there about the Spirit of God. He abides in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. So the Spirit of God. Uh, uh, dwells in us, he abides in us, and he teaches us. He gives us understanding into his word. He, he bears witness that we are God's children. You ever, I'm sure you've had this happen to you, if you've been in a service and you heard something that wasn't right, and red flag goes up, but you're in a service and you may have heard something you never heard before. But it bears true with what you see in the word of God. And the spirit of God himself bears with you. You know that's true. That is true. You see the spirit of God. We have that anointing. The spirit of God dwells within us to teach us. So that when we hear or we read. He will bear witness that this is truth. He is the spirit of truth. So so he bears witness. He gives us that assurance of our redemption. But we we also, not only is uh, is the assurance of our redemption, but being led, or another word for led is controlled by the spirit of God, removes pride. Now, Go to chapter 5. Chapter 5. Now bear with me here. I'll try try and prove this point here. Um, Because it's in the word of God. I didn't look for something that wasn't there. I got this out of the Bible. You know, sometimes we preachers are guilty of that. We have a good thought and we try to prove it from Scripture somewhere. No, I found this in the Bible before I tried to prove it. So anyway, notice verse 11. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross cease? I would they were even cut off which trouble you for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this: thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. Now, I got a question for you. Proverbs 13 says, 10 says, only by pride cometh contention. What do you see here? What are they starting to do? They're biting and devouring one another. There's pride. You see, the works of the flesh always produces pride. But the leading of the spirit. There's no room for the there's no room for pride in a spirit led person. Why? Because a spirit led person realizes it's not me. It's not my abilities. It's not my power. I can't do anything to save myself. I can't do anything. I can't even, you know, uh, it's not my strength to overcome sin. It's all by the grace of God. You know, a spirit led person has that attitude. But a person who's trusting in their works, always it always becomes a matter of pride. And what you see here beginning to take place is they're biting and devouring. And it's interesting, you know, he goes through this whole chapter. In fact, let's just read on. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now you really think about it, all those things are really pride and rebellion against God. They could be summed up that way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another envying one another. Uh, and I asked you, isn't verse 15 and verse 26 an awful lot alike? Verse fifteen, he says, "You bite and devour one another. Take heed, you be not consumed one another." Verse twenty six says, "Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another." They're all full of pride, you see. And in the middle of that, he, he talks about, "Look, walk in the flesh and uh, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not be, you'll not be endeavoring to earn or to uh, add to your faith by some work of the flesh. Which will only puff you up. See, the works of the flesh are the fruit of pride against God. It's, it's like saying, it's my way. It is not, love your neighbor as thyself. To love your neighbor as yourself, you have to prefer one before another. Uh, which Paul talks about in the book of Philippians. So, so um, you, know, you have, and this is what you have here, that you have the walk with the spirit versus the lust of the flesh. And, and again, you know, all these things that are mentioned here, the lust of the flesh, are the works of pride. And the Holy Spirit... And pride cannot lead the same house or lead the same vessel. You know, if you're saved, your body is the Spirit's house. It's the Spirit's temple. Uh, you know, some illustrations of this. First Corinthians 3, 1-3, to Paul writing to the church at Corinth, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. whereas there's among you envying and strife and divisions are ye not carnal and walk as men? What was the problem? They were walking the flesh. They weren't following the spirit of God and so there was these divisions among them and they were, they were, they were uh, uh, envying one another and there was strife among them because they were walking in the flesh you see walking in the flesh or law keeping always genders pride <laughs> I know this is a dumb question but I'm going to ask anyway were the Pharisees pride that is a dumb question I know <laughs> Jesus told them you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free they answered we be Abraham's seed we were never in bondage to any man they were in bondage to the Romans when they said that Duh. In Matthew twenty seven eighteen, Pilate said to him, "For he knew he knew that for envy they had delivered him." Speaking of Christ, you see, they were full of pride. They were walking in the flesh. Boy, they prided themselves in their long prayers and keeping the law, though they added to it and even and broke their own law. But they prided themselves in their Religious religion, so so we see here the 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 presence of the spirit. He is assurance of our redemption and being led by the spirit. God removes pride. But you notice the third thing: a spirit led led person lives to please God, not appease God. There is a big difference. He lives to a spirit led person lives to please God. Not appease God, and that is the difference between Bible faith and the religion of this world. You know the religion of this world has a list of do's and a list of don'ts. you know I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, you know I've got to go to Mecca and pray so many times or I got to look toward Mecca and pray so many times a day, or I got to make a pilgrimage or I or I have to say so many Hail Marys, or I've got to pay for so many masses to get my deceased relative out of purgatory. You you have to do this, and you have to do that. You see, religion seeks to satisfy their God by some work. Hence, circumcision. Notice verse chapter 5. Verse, and of course this was the the issue of this day was circumcision. Uh, but I behold I Paul, chapter five, verse two, behold I Paul say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. But see, these Judaizers are saying, Well, except ye be circumcised, you cannot be saved. And there are people today who say, Well, except ye be baptized, you cannot be saved. And except you speak in tongues, you cannot be saved. Or expect you to do this, you cannot be saved. And if you leave the Catholic Church, you're a curse for all eternity. Okay, whatever. Um, you no, know, See, to appease means to bring to a state of peace, quiet, ease, calm, or contentment, or to pacify. Well, I got news for you. My God was satisfied with a sacrifice of Christ. He was satisfied with a sacrifice of Christ. I mean, when Jesus said it is finished, that temple veil, which they say was four or five inches thick, I don't know what it must have weighed, but rent. Signifying an end to that. Temple worship. Isaiah 53, 10, 11 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, and he is our propitiation. Is that verse 2? Um, and he is our propitiation. Not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that word s- propitiation basically means he is our satisfaction. In other words, he was sacrificed, or satis- God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Not just ours, but for the whole world. See, God, my God's already satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. I don't have to do anything to appease him or try and satisfy him or to pacify him lest he be angry with me. You see, we who are born again are not servants. You say, well, pastor, don't we serve the Lord? Yeah, we do. But God doesn't consider us servants. Or like slaves trying to appease their master. We are sons. We are sons. We're heirs with Christ. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, To redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba. And that word Abba means daddy. It's It's a term of endearment. Abba, father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. See, we're not servants. God doesn't consider us servants. Though Paul said over and over again, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. He would refer to himself, or Jude referred to himself as as a servant of Jesus Christ. That's that's looking at it from Paul's perspective. In other words, what he was saying is, is, I am a servant, but I do it of my own choice, willingly and joyfully. By the way, he's the one that wrote this too. And he said, We're not longer servants; we're sons. You see, from God's perspective, I'm a son, and I have—I'm a joint heir with Christ. It is a natural instinct for children to desire to grow up. You know, when I was Daniel's age, you know, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. And then when I got Andrew's age, you know, I was wanting to get out of school. When I got out of school, then I wanted to get married. And after I was married 15 years, I wanted to go back to being a kid again. No, uh, <laughs> no but it's the natural instinct of a child is it wants to grow up. You know, that's a natural instinct for us, is to mature. And to have the part of a son be joint heirs with Christ, and and to serve our Father. Uh, This is this is perfection. The working or serving is the, the outworking of being perfected or mature. Notice go back to chapter three, verses three and five says, are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And we know that word perfect in the Bible means to be mature or complete. Or the idea of adulthood or grown up, uh, we would say. And then he says, he therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. So, is all this come about, the, the things that Paul did, the working of miracles, evidently Paul had done some miracles among Galatians, which are not recorded for us, I don't believe. But, but he did them. You know, the Bible doesn't record everything the apostles did, or even that Jesus did. Just what we need to know. But he had done some miracles, and, or he'd done some works, working miracles with And that word worketh means to be operative or to affect. When we get saved, God gives us the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God begins to work. He becomes operative in our life to bring about the fruit of the Spirit given to us in Galatians chapter 5. You see, and so as sons and daughters, we through the Spirit live to please by the power of the Spirit. You know, the word please means to act to the pleasure or satisfaction of. To be the to be the pleasure or will of so, you know appease means to pacify, to to please means to bring pleasure, and that's what we do. That's how why we are to serve Him. But it not only brings pleasure. You know, if your children <coughs> uh, don't don't your children like to hear you say good job, well done, it not only brings pleasure to you when they do a job well done, it brings pleasure to them. And the same is true of us. So, uh, as as God begins to work in our life, He works to bring about, the Spirit of God works to bring about the fruit of the Spirit. Go to Galatians chapter 5 again, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Notice this phrase. Against such there is no law. In other words, if these characteristics are in you, are bearing fruit in your life, you'll not be condemned. There's no law against them. There's no law against them. And verse 24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, or as they consider the old man dead. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, so he works, or it becomes operative, to bring about the fruit of the Spirit. So we live a, a life, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is a life of joyfully living to please God, loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you are living, being led by the Spirit, you will not put a stumbling block in your neighbor's way. You will not, you will not cause your neighbor to sin. Notice that's what he says in verse thirteen: For brethren, ye have been called in liberty; only use not liberty for occasion to flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so, if you live out the fruit of the spirit in your life. You'll be loving your neighbor as your own self. But when you set your own standards, you are being controlled by your flesh. You know, we we, we are either led of the spirit or led of the flesh. And so, when when you are led of the flesh, you're you're setting your own standard. You're being controlled by your flesh and bringing yourself under the curse of sin. Of course, verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So might God help us to walk in the spirit? In, in chapter 5, verses 1 and one and, and verse 25, he says, Stand fair, there fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Let's by faith rest in the, the, the satisfaction of Christ's sacrifice for us. And then by faith simply obey him and serve him. Not setting our own standards. But following the standards and dictates he gives us in the Word of God, so that we don't sin against our neighbor, so we love our neighbor as our ourselves. Uh, if we walk in the Spirit, verse twenty-five says, "If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be zealous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another." So liberty then is not. I'm free, or I can do whatever I want. It does not matter. It's not a license to sin. No. Liberty is the opportunity or freedom we have to live pleasing to the Lord. To live pleasing to the Lord. We have a lot of people that think today that they have this idea of what freedom is. And what it really is, is anarchy. They think freedom is not having any laws. There's no place on the earth where you can live like that and get along with everybody. You've got to have laws. You know, James tells us this way. Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. See, liberty is living within the, the, the boundaries of the law of God. And loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's not. I can do whatever I want. Because if I do whatever I want, it may offend the neighbor over here. That's anarchy. No. Liberty is to live within the laws that are fair and equal for everyone. And of course, it's true of the Word of God. We to live within the standards that He has given us and live joyfully having the power over our flesh that we don't yield to the flesh but yield to the spirit and that we might have a peaceable relationship with our Lord and our Heavenly Father. So might might God help us to walk in the liberty of the spirit and not turn or be sidetracked by going our own way or doing our own thing. Not setting our own standards but simply by being obedient, seeking out his will in our every area of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge it gives to us. And Lord, we thank you for the instruction that gives us. I pray that you help us to walk in the spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That, Father, we love our neighbors as ourselves. That We'd be an effective witness and testimony for you. We'd serve you uh, joyfully as your dear children. Well, thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name.